Let's come before God in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you uh, that we can come with our need uh, to yourself and to your Son by the Spirit. We thank you that you're a God who welcomes sinners who turn to you. May we be such this morning. For Jesus' sake, amen. If you have a Bible and you're able to get to Lamentations, then please do so. Those of you who've been coming for the last six months or so, it seems a long time, but um, we've been looking, or I've been looking with you, at Lamentations. And uh, I repeat this very briefly because you've heard it all before, but some may not have remembered, that Lamentations is, uh, was written by Jeremiah. Um, the people of Israel were going to exile. They were really tough days, very difficult days, very trying days. And Jeremiah weeps over the condition of his people. He was so concerned about them. Uh, and most of Jeremiah is, 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 is difficult in the sense of it's, it's of God's judgment upon the people, and that's why they were going to exile. There were some glimpses in Jeremiah of a promise that God would bring them back 70 years after the captivity, and that's, of course, that was fulfilled. And then if you read through Jeremiah, and it's a kind of very difficult in that sense. You come to the next book, which is called Lamentations. There's a clue there what it's going to be about. It's about lamentations. And again, it's difficult. And then you come into chapter 3, and it's such a blessing. Chapter 3 is full of wonderful little things, and we've looked at some of them. Uh, you remember, perhaps back in March or April, was it? Uh, I am, verse 1 says, I am the man that has seen affliction. And some of us have been through that and were going through that at that time. And some have continued to do it. But then we found there were wonderful little verses, uh, particularly from verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. There was hope. It is of the Lord's mercies we're not consumed. God is a God of mercies. Because his compassions fail not. He's a God of compassion. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. What a great verse that is. We love it. We know a little song. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith the Lord. Therefore will I hope in him. Wonderful, wonderful promises. And then last time uh, we looked at the Lord is good. Right? The emphasis on God's goodness to his people. I want to go on this morning and... Uh, look at the next phrase in verse 25. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, the soul that seeketh him. What we've been doing over the months is concentrating on God. Who he is, what he is, what he is to his people, his compassion, his mercies, his faithfulness. And I think that's right. Uh, the best remedy for us when we are down for various reasons is to think about God. Because the more we think about ourselves, the more we get depressed, the more down we are. We need to think outside of ourselves, and we need to think about God. This God who is great and glorious and wonderful and sovereign and compassionate and merciful and great, and great in his faith. We need to think about God. When we start thinking about God, Strange enough, we feel better. We feel better. 
it's been the, the experience of many of us, I'm sure. Uh, we've been uh, perhaps in a midweek meeting, perhaps a prayer meeting, Bible study, and we've come and we've been a bit down and things have gone wrong apparently all day. And, you know, and, we, and we come and we're really fed up and we come to we with the people of God. And we hear God's word being read and proclaimed and, and people pray and, oh, it really blesses us. Gary and I were at uh, the prayer meeting on the Market Street on Friday night, um, particularly praying for revival. And it did our hearts good to be there. It was just good to hear God's word and, and then to have the folk praying for God to come amongst his people once again. It blessed us. Now, so the emphasis has been upon God, and rightly so. But there's another side to this verse and there's always another side to preaching the gospel. In Gordon Road, we stress God's sovereignty, and rightly so, because that's what the Bible teaches. No problem there, I trust. But we also believe that we are responsible for that which we hear. We are accountable for that which we hear. Now, for some, it's a problem. How can the two be true? How can God be sovereign and we be responsible? To me... That's my problem. It's not God's problem. Because God has all these things sorted already. And he knows what he's doing. He is in charge. And so we stress that men are responsible for their actions. And we stress what the Bible stresses is that we must come to God. In the words of this verse, we must wait upon God and we must seek God. That's what you do. That's what I do. That's what we must do. And so the emphasis this morning is on us. Not that we ignore God's sovereignty, of course. We've already said that, and that's at the back of everything. But you and I are responsible. And it concerns me because sometimes I feel that folk who will say or think, well, God is sovereign, therefore I am going to do anything. I've got to sit back and just relax and wait for him to do everything. That's not biblical. That's fatalism. It's not biblical Calvinism or Reformed faith. That's fatalism. That's stoicism. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we have to be active. We have to be involved. We have to come to God. And it'll be no excuse in that great day of judgment to say to God, well, I was waiting for you to move me. And God says, God will say to us, no, you were waiting in your sin. You didn't want to come. You didn't want to move. You didn't want me. You didn't want to seek me. That's why I will judge you and depart from me. I never knew you. Now, this is serious stuff, but I think it's important. So, the first thing the uh, Jeremiah says is, unto them that wait for him. Now, waiting for God is a, is a strange thing. Let me tell you what it's not. All right? Let me tell you what it's not. It's not like waiting for a bus or a train or waiting for somebody to come to see you or waiting to be collected. When we're just sitting there and we're totally passive we don't do anything. That's not the kind of waiting which is envisaged here. The waiting here is a waiting upon God in the sense of meditating upon God, thinking about God, and preparing our hearts, minds, and wills. 
When the Bible encourages us to wait upon the Lord or wait for the Lord, it's an active waiting. And we need to wait upon the Lord. Now, I looked up some verses. There are lots of them. I won't give them all to you, but uh, there are some ones that you will know very well um, where we are encouraged to, to wait upon the Lord. Uh, waiting upon God, seeking God, waiting. Um, uh, for example, in the psalm, I will praise thee forever because thou hast done, uh, thou hast blessed me. I will wait upon thy name because of his strength will I wait upon the Lord my soul wait only upon God I am weary my crying my throat is dried mine eyes while I wait upon the Lord here is a man in the Psalms who is waiting eagerly for God with expectancy he's waiting he's thinking about God why? Well, because of the character of God. Now, we don't, go out, go, don't need to go through all that again in Jeremiah. But the God for whom we, upon whom we wait is a great God. Because of his character. Because we know who he is and what he is. I'm sure some of you have, uh, have been arranged to meet somebody and perhaps they're a total stranger. And you think, I wonder what he'd be like. Or she, I wonder what she would be like. I wonder what they'd be like. I wonder, and you have all these thoughts thinking about it. Now, you may have read something or heard something about him. You think, I wonder if this is true. And, and, and you wonder and you think about it. If that is true, well, that's great. If it's not true, oh, it's going to be difficult. And you think about them. Now, this is what the Bible encourages us to do. Think upon God. Wait upon him. Read the Bible. Read what he says about himself have fellowship and friendship with others in the church. Uh, see what they say uh, about God. Sing these lovely hymns that tell us about God and about the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to wait upon him in a sense of awe and wonder. Now, similarly with seeking, all right? Lots and lots of verses in the Psalms, particularly about seeking God. I read Psalm 27, um, where the psalmist says, uh, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. I may dwell in the house of the Lord, and so forth. When you said, seek my face, my heart said, I will seek you. This is a command of God. This is our duty before God. There's not option. Oh, well, perhaps I will, perhaps I won't. You must seek after God. I must seek after God. I will not be left with an excuse not to seek after him. He's revealed sufficiently to us to encourage us to seek him and to call upon his name. Now, I say I could quote lots of verses from the Psalms, but I thought it might be helpful if we look briefly, I know I need to turn to it because most of you know the story, about Jehoshaphat. Here is a king in Judah, and uh, the enemies are coming upon him. And uh, he, he, he doesn't know what to do. And verse 3 says, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat could see the enemies, hear the enemies. And uh, there were great armies. And Jehoshaphat says, well, What am I going to do? 
I am not sufficient to meet this army, to deal with this army. My people are not sufficient. We're not, there's not enough of us. We're not well trained. We're not great soldiers and warriors. We can't do this. And so he comes in his need to God. And that's probably the, the, the biggest problem we have. We do not see our need to wait upon God. We do not see our need to seek God. How sad is that? I, I saw a little program last night, Saving Lives at Sea. It's about the uh, lifeboat service. Nice little program, and obviously uh, it's all to do with rescuing people who are out at sea. And uh, here's this lady. She's on a, a paddle boat. I think that's what they call them. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, just bear with me, all right? You're standing on a little bit like a surfboard. And you've got a big, long paddle, and you paddle away. Do, 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 do. That's lovely. Down in, in, in Cornwall, I think it was. And I don't need a lifeboat. I'm fine. I'm going along paddling. I'm great. I'm sufficient. I'm in control. And, of course, she's not, is she? Suddenly... The wind turns, suddenly the tide turns, and bang, into the sea she goes, and she's swept out into the English Channel. And there is no prospect of her saving herself. And the further she goes out, the further in danger she becomes, not just because of the currents and the waves and everything, but the shipping lanes are just there. And once she's in that, she's gone. Her friend has a phone, rings the Coast Guard, and they send out the, uh, the craft, uh, the boats, and eventually she's saved. Full of herself and confident. But when she sees her need, then there's a crying. And this poor woman, as she drags out, she says, Oh, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. She was so thankful. What is the problem with people in Hailsham? I think, in a nutshell, they do not see their need of salvation, they do not see their need of Jesus. And because they do not see their need of him, they don't make inquiries about him. They don't want to listen to him. They don't want to read about him. I think one of the things I discovered, the worst thing I discovered through my little <coughs> two years with the, the table up in the market, wasn't people who were antagonistic to the gospel. Wasn't people who came and say, that's a load of rubbish. I don't believe that. In a sense, I'd have that to what I got. Complete disinterest. What are you doing? Oh, a Bible. Oh. That's not for me, not for me. Some of them, a bit toffee-nosed. There are some toffee-nosed people in Hilsham. A bit toffee-nosed. Oh, no, that's not for me. That's not for me. Oh, no. As if, you know, you were the lowest of the low. Well, I'd rather be the lowest of the low for Jesus than the top of the top for anybody else. Disinterest. No, don't care less. Now, we have to be careful. Because we can say, well, I'm not there because I come to chapel. I come to Gordon Road every week because I can that's not enough. It's not enough to come to the church. It's not enough to hear what is said. You have to get involved and seek God for yourself. And, of course, this is what Je Jehoshaphat does. He acknowledges his need, and they pray, and um, he prays uh, to God. He says, O Lord, God of our fathers, art thou not the God in heaven? Do you not rule over the kings of heaven? Is that in thy hand is power and might that none can stand you? You can do it. And then, some would say, he's a little bit cheeky. He's a little bit... When he says something to God, 
And it's a little hint of a bit of an argument here. And this is what he says. Lord, these people are coming against us. Now, do you remember, Lord, that when we were going through out of, Israel, out of Egypt, and we came along, and these people were there, and they wouldn't let us pass. They had to go around, and we were going to smash them. But you said, no, you leave them alone. You leave them alone. You go around another way, I will deal with them. The implication is, now they're attacking us, if you'd let us smash them when we could have done, we wouldn't have had this problem. See, a little hint there, you know, a little hint. Lord, you need to do something here. Because this is why we're in the situation, and if you don't deal with this, there is no help for us. Wow, that's some praying. We need, as my friend Gary said, we need strong prayers and pray for revival. We really do. We need to get to grips with what is biblical. I'm not talking about shouting and jumping and doing all kinds of things. We need to say that which is biblical. And people who are biblical pleaded with God on the base of his covenant and what he had promised and who he was. And so Moses uh, says to God, uh, you cannot do this. Moses, hold your mouth. You can't say that to God. But he did. You cannot do this. You cannot destroy these people and make of me a great nation. You cannot do this because your honor is at stake. Your glory is at stake. You must deal with this for your glory's sake. Wow, it's powerful prayer. We're a long way off that, I think. Anyway, so here's Joshua, and he's praying, and he's pleading, and God hears, and God answers. Thus says the Lord, verse 15, unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, it's God's. I will deal with it. But notice the promise of God to deal with it and to deal with the enemies came after he was seeking the Lord. And salvation will not come to you. Forgiveness of sins will not come to you unless you seek God and ask him to save you. You have to do that. God works by his spirit. And we know all what goes on in the back of the spirit. But your responsibility is to seek God and to call upon him. Someone says, well, yeah, I, I know what you're saying, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. I, I can say the Lord's Prayer. I can repeat something. Uh, I can say, Lord, bless me and, and bless so-and-so and bless this one and bless that one. But I don't really know how to pray. Well, start with that. Say to God, Lord, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say to you. But I do know I need you. I want you. I want Jesus to be my savior. I want him to forgive me and cleanse me and make me a new person. Is that hard? Is that beyond you? A lot of us, that's the way we came. Realizing we went right with God and said, just simply, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. The man we went up to the temple, you know, Jesus gives that little parable of the Pharisee full of himself. And this poor old man at the back says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Not a long, posh prayer full of eloquence, you know. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
he was. And he did. And he went away justified. I heard a little illustration. I think it was in this pulpit. Um, some months ago, I think. I can't remember who said it. And I liked it because I had used it myself. It's, not a, it's a similar illustration, but it's not, that was particular to him. What I'm just about, I'm going to tell you in a minute is particular to me, right? in that I experienced this. One of the great games that we play with our children, our grandchildren, or nephews or nieces, whatever, um, is hide and seek. It's every generation, we love hide and seek. And it seems peculiar and particular, uh, grandchildren love to hide from their granddad. It's wonderful. Okay. And when I used to go to Switzerland, the three little ones there, something like eight, six, and four, all right? They're quite close together. And they live, my daughter lives in a big house, a rambling old house, and there were places all over the place to hide. Granddad, let's play hide and seek. Okay. So they went to hide. Okay. And then, because I know about these things, you always got to count up to 100, right? So I start. One, two, two and a half, three. You, you make it as long as you can because then it gives you time to just rest, you see. And then the little boy says, Grandad, we're ready now. So, right, 51, 51 and a half, 51 and three quarters. 50. And eventually, okay, so you go, you go. And uh, typical kids, you can hear little scuffles and little chuckles and little laughing, and, and you, you think, now, where are they? And then you make a big thing of it. Well, I did, you know, you can imagine me. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if so-and-so's in the bedroom. I wonder if so-and-so is under the bed. I wonder where Barney is. I wonder, and all these things, all right? Now, Beatrice Lover, she was the youngest. She obviously didn't understand the rules. Because Beatrice would say, I'm in the cupboard. Oh, I wonder if Beatrice is under the bed. I'm in the cupboard. And so I eventually go to the cupboard. Oh, there you are. And she was so pleased I'd found her. Now, she wanted to be found. Can you see that? She wanted to be found. The boys would be happy not to be found ever, right? But she, she wanted to be found. Let me tell you something about God. He wants to be found. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord Jesus wants to be found by you as your Savior. He's not reluctant. He's not saying, well, I don't really, I don't, I don't think I fancy you really. I'd rather you stay lost. He never says that. It's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. The Lord Jesus wants to be found by you, by you today. But the emphasis on the Bible is that our seeking must be with a whole heart. Our seeking must be diligent. Our seeking must be purposeful, meaningful, not half-hearted. Oh, well, perhaps I will, perhaps I won't. You can't do that. You never find Jesus like that. When the Lord, and it's kind of the other side of it for a moment, the other side of things, when the Lord talks about um, lostness in the parable of what we call the prodigal son, you know his story well, Luke 15, um, have we ever noticed the earnestness or the diligence 
were the two first parables of the person who is seeking. So you've got the shepherd who's lost one, his 99 are safe, but he cares about the one. And so he searches for the one. And this is what we're told. Um, what, man, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if you lose... If you lose one of them, does not leave the 99 words and go after that which is lost until he found it. He is determined to find that sheep. He is not giving up. Well, I've got 99 years. Okay, well, it doesn't matter. One lost, one percent, that's okay. He, did, he wants that sheep to be found. That's the diligence of the Lord Jesus Christ in seeking saviors, seeking sinners. The woman loses a coin, perhaps it's part of a necklace, silver coin necklace type of thing. We don't know. Um, perhaps it was. And this is what we, which is what we, this is what we say. All right. Likewise, well, neither what woman having ten pieces of silver, she loses one, lights a candle, sweeps the house, and seeks diligently to find it. I confess I do not know what it means to diligently sweep the house. But I won't go there. I know where the switch is on the hoover, but I'm sure it doesn't work properly. She diligently, she will not give up. That's precious to her. And she seeks this until she finds, she will not give up. Now, of course, the third parable is about uh, the son who comes home himself. And he seeks reconciliation. He seeks restoration. And he comes home. And he's in a filthy state. We've had sermons on this, and I, I can't improve on them, I'm sure. Uh, he comes home in a filthy, dirty, rotten state. And he's just hoping that his father will give him a slave's job, just so he can have a roof over his head and something to eat once a day. And the father, you know how he responds. If we are to find Jesus, we need to be diligent. We need to be earnest. We need to say, Lord, I must find you. I must have you to be my savior. If I don't, I'm lost. There's no other answer. There's no other person. There's no other way. I must find you. Please, please be my savior. And he will. You believe that? Jesus says, He that comes to me, I will in no ways cast out. Now, when you go through the Gospels, you'll find the reaction to Jesus quite varied. There will be people who come, and Jesus will say something to them, and they say, Ah, oh, rich man. So he says, This, that, and the other. And then he says, Give. Give, give your goods away. Oh. He's seeking Jesus, but the cost is too much. He doesn't want to lose his wealth, his position, his standard, whatever it is. And so he says no to Jesus, and off he goes. And he will be at a loss for time and eternity. And there are other folk... They come to Jesus and, and they plead for perhaps healing, healing for themselves, for a, for, for a child, for, for somebody else. And they come pleading. And Jesus says, what do you want? And they plead, Lord, Lord, please, please, please. They, 
They're so desperate to be healed, to be restored. They're so desperate for their child uh, to be restored, to be healed. They're so desperate, and they're pleading. Jesus graciously, wonderfully, blesses them, helps them, heals them, restores them, and so on. Now, I trust very simply you are getting what I'm saying. You need to seek the Lord Jesus. You need to seek God. And you need to do it earnestly, seriously. God says, those that search for me with all they seek for me, with all their hearts, will find me. God will not disappoint you. God will never say, well, you know, your faith is very little. You really need to have more faith before you come back to me and seek me. You need to have more knowledge. You need to be a better person. And then when you're a better person, and when you've got more faith, and, and all, when you've got all these things, then you come to me again and I'll, I'll think about it. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the Savior. Come without money and without price. Come with nothing. Just come as you are. Come as you are, and he will receive you. Hallelujah. Isn't that a glorious gospel? You don't get that anywhere else, but God would. Now, you must do that. You must say, Lord, I hear what Colin is saying, and I just feel, I feel so unworthy. I, I feel so hopeless. I feel so helpless. Lord, I just don't know what to do. What can I do? Come as you are. Come as you are. Come to the Lord Jesus. And he'll graciously receive you. And bless you. And save you give you for time and eternity. Well, we're going to stop in a minute. I do pray that God will just, just touch your hearts by his spirit. I'm aware this is a work of God, the Holy Spirit, as you are, I'm sure. And we who have already come, we need to pray, Lord, have mercy upon others. Their eyes may be opened spiritually, their ears may be unstopped spiritually, their wills may be renewed and inclined to the Lord Jesus. We need to pray for folk that they will come to faith in the Jesus. Seek him. Seek him while he may. Call upon him while he is near. For Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel. It's a glorious gospel. It's a simple gospel. And yet it's some way so profound that a sovereign God of all the earth, creator, redeemer, provider, that this God should come down to our level as it were. We believe that's what happened at Calvary. The Lord Jesus Christ, who was God, became man. And in his humanity took upon himself our sins, he suffered the wrath of God for us. He dies as a substitute for the sins of all who believe and trust in him. Oh, Father, help us to believe. Help us to trust. Help us to come. Help us to seek the Savior this morning, this day. And oh, by thy grace, may we find him. Oh, Father, may we find him who is indeed if we only realized it, is seeking us and longs to bring us to himself. Bless us for Jesus' sake.
Now we're going to sing a hymn. It's a great hymn. It's a hymn about seeking God and finding God, the Lord Jesus. And um, it's in the section, Cry for Grace and Help. Now, I'm hoping we're going to sing it to our with. All right? Okay, good. Jesus, you lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. While the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high. Hide me, O my Saviour, hide, till the storm of life is past. Safe into the haven guide, O receive my soul at last. Notice the next verse. Other refuge have I none. Hangs my helpless soul on thee. Leave, ah, leave me not alone. Uh, still support and comfort me. Just and holy is thy name. I am all unrighteousness. False and full of sin I am. Thou art full of truth and grace. And so on. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And now in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of God the Holy Spirit, rest and remain with God's people here and everywhere. Shall we meet again and then forevermore? Amen.